Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. Sit back, relax, and listen to tonight's show. Let's join our host, Ted Odorico, as he introduces tonight's special guest. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the season finale uh, of Golf Talk Live. I've, I'm, of course, I'm your host, uh, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. It's going to be a little shorter than normal. Uh, we're not going to be doing a uh, two-hour broadcast night. It's going to be probably just around an hour, maybe a little bit over uh, but we're going to have a, a very special Coach's Corner panel. Uh, I've assembled a on the last show a group of uh, very good professionals who have uh, been with me through thick and thin on the show over the years. Um, we've got actually four of them tonight. Uh, so we've got a full panel. And we're just going to have a kind of a casual, comfortable uh, conversation tonight about a few things. And I'll uh, lay that out here in just a moment. Um, but I want to remind everybody, of course, uh, this is, again, the season finale uh, we're going to be taking a short break, or I'm going to be taking a short break from the show uh, after tonight, um, obviously to observe the holidays. Uh, and then also the month of January, I'm going to be taking off. Uh, I'll start back up with sort of a light show on, I believe it's the 10th of February, uh, will be the first show back. Uh, that will not include the Coach's Corner, of course. There'll be a couple of shows for me to sort of warm my chops back up, if you will. And then in March, we'll get back into the full season, the full two-hour broadcast, which will have the Coach's Corner panel and then, of course, uh, my interview guest uh, on the second half. So, uh, again, February 10th is when we'll start back up. Tonight's the last show, and uh, I just thought this would be kind of interesting. I didn't book a guest for this evening. I just thought it would be interesting to have some of the guys on here, and we'd have a, uh, an interesting and lively discussion about a few things, and uh, we'll go from here. So let me introduce the guys who's on tonight, and, uh, and then we'll get right into uh, uh, this evening's discussion. Uh, first up, of course, is John Decker. He's the Director of Instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, he's also a senior editor and top 25 instructor at Golf Tips Magazine, and he was named the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, he's also author of Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, includes a Bible study, and he's also a public speaker for those of you that would like to have him come and, and speak with your uh, uh, group. Uh, also on the panel tonight is uh, John Hughes. He's a PJ Master Professional and the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section, and he was also a recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. Uh, he's also a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor, plus part of the Golf Tips advisory staff. Uh, also on the uh, panel tonight is Tim Kramer. He's a visionary peak performance mind coach, uh, president and founder of Peak Performance Mind Coaching, a program utilizing innovative and pioneering mind coaching techniques. And he's also a uh, co contributing senior editor with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, and last but not least is Clint Wright, a 30-plus year member of the PGA, one of the partners at TGM Golf. Uh, of course, as I've mentioned before, is a 
big proponent of the R3 approach, and in my opinion, he's considered among one of the best covering the short game. Uh, and one of my favorite uh, guest panelists, because I can uh, bug him a little bit, and he can take it uh, on the chin quite easily. So, uh, guys, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for joining me on my season finale uh, here on uh, Coach's Corner Panel on Golf Talk Live. Yeah, good evening. Glad to be here, Ted. Thank you, Ted. Uh, All right. As Frosty I appreciate would it. say, happy birthday. Right. <laughs> well, we're gonna have we're gonna have well said, John. All right, so what I'm going to do, just because we've got the two Johns on here, uh, as I've done before, John Decker, of course, I'll just uh, – John D. And, and John Hughes, John H., uh, just so we keep it straight, just know who we're going to talk to. And that. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight. As I mentioned to you guys off air, uh, Tim very uh, graciously sent me um, some questions in on an upcoming article that he's putting together uh, for uh, the next issue of Golf Tips magazine. And uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. But first off, I want to talk about something else. As I mentioned Tuesday when I did my show with Cindy Miller um, on the Women of Golf show, we talked, or I talked a little bit about, I attended last week uh, here in, in Dothan, Alabama, which is where my uh, girlfriend uh, and I uh, reside. Um, they had the, at the Robert Trent Jones course, they had the final week of the Q series for the LPGA. So all the young ladies that attended had uh, come into their final rounds, if they will, and to earn their uh, LPGA uh, tour card for the 2022 season. So I got a chance to go up there. Uh, they came in last, uh, the previous Monday, not this one that just passed, and uh, started playing a few practice rounds. And then Thursday through Sunday, uh, they played their final four rounds. Now they had actually gone the previous week to that uh, they were also in Alabama at the Magnolia Grove uh, course in um, Mobile, Alabama. So they played four rounds there. Then they came to Dothan to finish up. And uh, it was really very interesting. So what I wanted to talk about was some interesting things that, uh, you know, while watching these young uh, women play, I noticed uh, three things that we don't often see uh, with our amateurs. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in the order that uh, – that I introduced you and we're going to go down here and I just want to, you guys just kind of generally, again, we're going to have a light conversation tonight. Give some thoughts on, on these points here, these three points that I'm going to bring up. Um, I'm going to start with John D, John Decker, and then um, uh, John Hughes and, and uh, Tim and then Clint. Um, the first one is, is tempo uh, that I noticed was very, very smooth with a lot of players. I watched a lot of them on the range and I watched also a lot of them, uh, as they were uh, in their practice rounds. And that was one of the things I noticed that they were very smooth. And their overall assessment of their surroundings, I noticed that they were very cognizant of what was going on around them, not just whoever may be watching, but the surroundings, whether the wind conditions, so on and so forth. They were also uh, very cognizant of uh, what trouble may lay ahead, um, that sort of thing. Uh, and then they were very quick to, once they had did all of their assessments, to make a decision and then uh, perform at the execution of the shot. I want to get your thoughts on this um, from a teaching perspective, John, if you, JD, if you will, um, and what you see with some of the points that I've just mentioned, and compare that to what you see maybe with some students. It doesn't have to be female. It could be male as well. But um, what would you take away from that, and how do you sort of relate it to uh, what you see some of the amateurs out there, how could they benefit from maybe adopting some of those points? 
Well, first of all, Ted, thank you for having me on the show tonight. And Tim and Clint and John, I look forward to tonight's show. I've been on with all of you, and I look forward to being on with you tonight. Um, one of the uh, things uh, that I try to stress to all my students um, is, is having uh, in their pre-shot routine, taking a consistent amount of time in their pre-shot routine, and also having a consistent time in their golf swing. And that's what you notice when you look at really elite players. When I look at the average golfer that goes out on the golf course, I notice on the first tee, they might take a tremendous amount of time to hit their shot. Maybe they'll stand, you know, and go through their routine. It might take 45 seconds to a minute. And then halfway through the round, they're taking 20 seconds to hit their shot. And by the end of the day, they might be taking 10 seconds. They're not, they're just, there's no consistency to it. So the time, I'm, I, I, a lot of times with my students, I'll actually time their pre-shot routine. I like a pre-shot routine to be somewhere between, um, at, on the quick side, 15 seconds, and on the slow side, 25. I, I kind of split the difference. 20 seconds, I think, is, is enough time to, to, you know, to, to go ahead and execute your shot. You're allowed 45, but I think that's way too much. Uh, the only examples that where you would change that might be if, if you're getting ready to hit the shot and all of a sudden somebody makes some noise or, or, or the wind changes or something and you back off and start again. Um, but also when I look at the golf swings, when, we, when I was at Grand Cypress, we studied the best players in the world. And then we found that it didn't matter whether they were hitting a, a three-foot putt or a 300-yard drive the time that it took their club to go back into the ball was literally the same. It never changed. So they, that's why their swings look so smooth. They don't get really fast on long shots and really slow on short shots. And so it's about, if you were to average, if you were to take all the tour players and average it out, it comes out to be about a second. So if you can go back into the ball in all of your shots in one second, you're essentially doing the same thing that a tour player does. And I'm amazed that when you do that, how everything kind of falls into sequence. So I'm a big believer in, you know, I teach the mechanics of the golf swing, but to me, the time, if you don't have the time back into the ball, or if you don't have the time in your pre-shot routine, or if you're walking down the fairway really fast on one hole and really slow on, on, on another, you're never going to be a consistent player. Good players are very, they're very uh, aware of their pace when they're walking down the fairway. They're aware of their time in their routine, and they're aware of their time in their golf swing. Yeah, well said. And, and, and uh, John H. Hughes, if you will, um, I want to get your thoughts on this. Well said, John. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because, uh, again, just to, um, to sort of recap really quickly, one of the things, again, I noticed uh, some of the things was their tempo was very smooth. Um, their ability to assess their surroundings, uh, you know, quickly and and um, you know, uh, obviously there was some windy conditions uh, over the last week here in the area. So you know, I saw a lot of not the, just the caddies, but I saw a lot of them, you know, plucking a, a few strands of grass and and uh, you know, uh, putting them up in the air just to see which direction. So there's a lot of things. But the other thing I really really noticed is once they committed, once they made a decision of what they were going to do and committed. Um, it was very, very precise. Uh, again, unless there was some factor that they, they had to stop and change or what have you, um, then they would go right to and execute the shot. What do you see? What do you take away from, from those three things? And how do you uh, see it with some of your students? Are you, again, very similar to what uh, John Decker just said? And maybe there's some other points that you might want to add. 
Ted, as always, for the opportunity to contribute. Tim, Clint, John, as always, great to be on with you. I'll sum it up in one word, and that's consistency. Uh, what you're describing, Ted, is a consistent routine of preparing to play your shot, and it's probably the quintessential example any average amateur could use to create consistency. So often I'll get the tourists uh, that come to a golf school or even the local or regional player or the uh, some of the world-class players I deal with, they're like, man, i got to be more consistent. And we start exactly where you described. Uh, consistency mm-hmm. is can only be part of your swing if the things that you do prior to swinging are consistent. And it's part of a routine to understand the circumstances and surroundings you're in, to make great decisions as to what shot you're going to hit right then and there and how that shot may affect you going forward to the next shot, not necessarily to the next hole. So what you're talking about is they're present. They're present at that time. that They're not looking forward. They haven't looked backwards at things. They're assessing the situation they're in to make a great decision. This, to me, is consistency, period. And if you're doing that as an amateur, Slowly, that's okay. You might not be as cognizant or as aware of what a tour pro is doing or is aware of, rather, simply because they have done it more often than you. They've done it probably millions of times more than you. But that's called practice. A lawyer practices, a doctor practices, a golfer practices. And with that practice comes consistency. That consistency of preparation, that consistency of what you saw, Ted, as far as tempo, yeah, there's a tempo to how these young ladies and young men go about their business, but I'd wrap it up in one word. That's how they create consistency for themselves. Well said. Um, uh, Tim and Clint, I'm going to give you something different to talk about here. as we get ready to sort of wrap up this first part of the the segment, Uh, something else that I noticed was their disciplined, and Tim, I'm going to start with you, was their disciplined practice routine. Um, There's three points I'm going to talk about very quickly, and then, Tim, I'm going to let you share your thoughts. And you're certainly welcome to go back if you want to add any additional thoughts to what the other guys have said. Um, But I'm going to give you guys something different just to to keep it uh, uh, a little bit even out. Um, And... First thing was was the ability to generate speed without sacrificing balance. What I always noticed about uh, top players as opposed to amateurs is they always swing within themselves. Um, you know, they can certainly generate uh, a lot of speed, um, but they're still able to uh, maintain balance. They're not jumping out of their golf shoes. The other thing that I noticed a lot, especially early on um, in in the week uh, before they really got into to their rounds. Uh, it was use of training aids, alignment rods, that sort of thing. They weren't afraid to bring out the tools of the trade, if you will, in helping them. I mean, these these girls have played on other tours, so on and so forth, but they're still using, especially on the putting surface, I saw a lot of putting training aids out there, um, which I don't often see with amateurs, uh, unless they're in a lesson. The other thing what I saw a lot of as well was follow-up practice after each round. Almost every single girl that was out there 
um, came back at the end of their round and went back up to the range and worked on a bunch of different things again. So give me some thoughts there um, based on those three points that I've just mentioned. Again, Tim, I'm going to start with you, and then, Clint, I want you to jump in as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, again, maybe some things that you recommend for your students um, that they could maybe pick up from what we just talked about. Yeah, uh, thanks, Ted. Um, I, I agree on one, you know, and I and, and <laughs> probably asked the wrong guy the wrong question. Um, when we talk about consistent, yeah, exactly. Um, when we talk about consistency, though, I'm going to make a case instead that golf is a game of adjustment more than it is consistency. And here's the reason why, is that the latest brain research is showing us that the human mind is not wired for consistency. It, it does not want to do things the same way. And yet I think that we as golf professionals Um, have led the students down the road of believing, well, if I just repeat doing things the same way every time, I will get better results and consistent results. Now, granted, I'm going to say that, yes, I believe there are parameters that we need to fall within in order to keep our game somewhat on the planet, but but I would make the case that we try and get people to do things – the same way every time when sometimes we're not paying attention to those little impulses that come from within us that that almost Mm -hmm. like are trying to shake things up a little bit saying i'm not really feeling comfortable with this same way of doing things i need to look at things a little Mm -hmm. bit different way so so i'm just going to make the case for that that i do think golf is a game of adjustment Mm -hmm. as opposed to consistency go ahead um, what I was just going to interrupt oh. real quick is, uh, uh, before I let you go, um, somebody, I don't know who it is, um, might need to mute their mic. Um, we're picking up a lot of background noise, so if you're not um, speaking or something, if you don't mind just muting your mic temporarily until I call you, uh, just picking up a lot of background noise. Um, Tim, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Now, within that, though, I do think that a solid pre-shot routine certainly does have when we talk about and, and Ted I love what you have to say because I, I you know I've seen these players too and I, I, I certainly work with some of them their 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 timing and their their uh, routines and whatever they they do on on one level appear to be very much the same very consistent and so granted that's that's the appearance but what I'm going to suggest is is the key to that is that there is a state of calmness within them we could call it calmness we could call it confidence we could call it whatever but that um, the quote-unquote consistency that we see in their swings to me is more a function of what's going on inside of their minds and the instructions they're receiving and have trained themselves to do in terms of to remain calm or to remain confident or to be able to tap into mind states that lead into the, what appears to be, you know, uh, just machines. And it's really fun to watch because you're right. It, 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 it does, you know, it does seem to take the same amount of time. And, and yet, um, to me, that there are still within that, there need to be the adjustments that are made that if something doesn't feel right, we regroup, or it may be a slightly different emotion that we, or thought or emotion that we need to feel within the pre-shot routine, that, that just to go through, through things seemingly the same way every time. And, and the case for that that I'll make, and then we'll pass this on, 
is that every player I've ever worked with has felt more confident over certain types of shots. And to me, that warrants the need for a different, slightly different type of pre-shot routine, where if you feel great about your tee shots, for example, your mind state is going to require a very different set of instructions between the brain and the body than is the same thing every time. I'm not a big fan of trying to, to fool ourselves. We can do something we don't really believe we can do. So I guess all I'm saying is that, you know, let's, let's, I'm trying to make the case, let's make this a game of adjustments within parameters uh, in order to achieve the results that we're trying to achieve. And, and I believe that's especially true for, you know, for, for amateurs. I think the pros do it out of habit. But, but mm-hmm. I do believe that the amateurs could certainly develop, you know, um, um, more repeatable patterns that give them the, <laughs> give them the quote unquote consistency, more of it that they're looking for. I, as a coach, whenever I hear that though, whenever I have a student come to me and say, oh, looking for more consistency in my game, I, I quickly point out, out to them, no, you're really not. That's not what your brain even wants. Your brain wants to get the ball in the hole. It wants some things, but let's just keep that word out of the equation. So, John, John, out of, out of total respect for you no, and, and no insult, but I, I've just got to throw that one in. Okay, interesting. Interesting take on it uh, and um, some interesting perspectives. All right, Clint, I'm going to give you the, the uh, last part of it as well. And, you know, again, as I mentioned, you know, something else that I noticed was, uh, again, with these young ladies, and I know it's with the guys too, but with the young ladies, uh, I really noticed um, uh, a really great um, use of training aids, uh, a variety of different types, primarily for the most part, not always, mm-hmm. but for the most part, you know, it would be on the putting surface, a lot of different alignment rods and so forth, a lot of different right. aids as well. Some some I had never even seen before, um, I think from some of our European players. Um also, again, the ability to maintain balance. I mean, we always want to get more distance. We want to generate more clubhead speed. Um, but it, it has sometimes a, a negative effect where in the attempt to try to get too much speed, we get out of balance and, and so forth. And then also, the, uh, you know, a lot of players go out there, and again, timing is an issue, um, maybe play nine holes, maybe they play 18 holes, maybe have some issues out there in the golf course where they're trying to tweak it out there when maybe what they should be doing is coming out after the round, maybe spending a few extra minutes on the practice range uh, and working out some of those bugs there as opposed to in the middle of the round. Give me your thoughts on on those three points. Okay. Well, first of all, on the training aids, I think you're absolutely right. You you see very few training aids uh, for people on the putting greens. Um, Mm -hmm. And, the problem, you have to be very careful with training aids that they're specific and they're, they're meant to train certain things. So you have to make sure that whichever training aid you're using, and I'm sure you sure these gals on tour already understand this, is that they have certain things they want to work on and they've got the training tool necessary to work on that particular issue. Uh, so mm-hmm. I see a lot of times people get a training aid that's meant to do one thing, they think it's doing another, and it's not doing them any good. So with mm-hmm. with uh, training aids in mind, uh, the student needs to be very careful to get a, spe- a training tool specific to, to what they begin to understand or what their instructor has told them they need to be working on. It's extremely important uh, that it be specific to what they need to do. 
as far as going back and hitting balls or practicing on things, I mean, you know, that that's easy for us to say because we're <laughs> players. We want to, okay? Right. You know, most guys, once they're done playing golf and head about it, they just want to go and have a beer and watch the game on television or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, and, and here's the thing is you ask, I always ask my students, particularly people who are trying to really become as good a player as they can, you know, you have to answer the question, do you deserve to get any better? You know, are you putting in the time and effort to get better? If you are, then you expect to improve. Uh, if you really can answer, like, well, not really, then you're just going to have what you have that day and, and then maybe go back the next day and work on it before, you know, on a practice day versus a play day or something. But it really comes down to the, are you really into getting better? If you are, you need to maybe go out and tweak it a little bit or work on it right when it's fresh and not the next day. But you just have to figure out whether you really want to get better or not or you're just giving it lip service. Um, you know, as far as these folks that, that you, you say, well, they, they get power, but they maintain their balance, I think it's actually mm-hmm. in reverse. They have power because they are balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, they develop the skill of being balanced and then try to maximize out of balance. You know, right. they're trying to get that power out of being balanced, not the other way around. So the main thing you, you want to work with a student that's trying to look for a little bit more is you have to improve their balance and setup position uh, to be ready to, to maintain balance during those times. Um, you know, not, not necessarily the other way around. Well, let's try to swing hard and see if we can balance it. Well, I see the other way. Work on your balance right. first and then go for more speed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. No, but, uh, you know, what's interesting, uh, as I said, what, what I really enjoyed about watching, I enjoy obviously watching any top level player in any sport, really. It's always amazing when you, when you look at how much effort they put into things and that, but I was really, really impressed. And, and just lastly, I want to make this point and then we're going to move on to um, our, our sort of second topic for this evening um, is, you know, win, lose or draw, the one thing I really noticed um, about these young ladies is the ability that they showed a sense of professionalism in congratulating their fellow competitors, whether uh, who were obviously were successful in in uh, in earning their their cards or retaining a card or what have you uh, going into next season. Um, you know, so often we see in 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 maybe not professional sports, but uh, we've seen some unsportsmanlike conduct over the years. Um, in a lot of different things. And one thing I can honestly say about golf is, you know, even though primarily it is more of an individual sport in most cases, uh, unless you're playing in a Ryder Cup or Solheim or what have you, um, you know, they're all, golf professionals are all professional and, you know, they wish each other well. And if, if uh, you know, if you're out there and you're successful on the on the course that day or in that week and you win the tournament or you, uh, you know, get your card, um, there's a sense of camaraderie, and even if you didn't get yours, um, you know they were all very, very um, uh, professional in that respect. And uh, you know it, it just really makes you feel good to be part of uh, a profession uh, that that holds that uh, standard very high. Um, just wanted to throw that thought mm-hmm. in there. It was very interesting. I really enjoyed it. it. Was a good week. I've been to many 
you know, PGA tournaments and a few LPGA tournaments over the years, but I'd never been to one of the Q series. And it was just interesting to watch these young ladies really grind it out through the week and, and just amazing the, uh, the talent. And I think we're going to have some uh, interesting young ladies coming out on tour for the first time next year and some others that have, uh, uh, had to come back and, and do it over again, which is not an easy feat. Uh, they were all pretty tired, uh, but they were very excited at the end of the process to uh, to be moving on to the next phase of, of golf. Um, all right, so Tim, as I mentioned, guys, and, and Tim, I'm going to start with you on this. I'm going to go out of order just because this was something that you brought in uh, for tonight's discussion, and I just want to get you to sort of get the ball rolling. Uh, so in, in most sports, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and particularly here in golf, uh, there remains sort of an ongoing debate about thought relative to movement and specifically what we should be thinking of about during an actual golf swing itself. I found this very interesting topic, uh, and you go on to say uh, how technical, you know, with my mechanics uh, should my thought process be. So maybe you could kind of set this up, and then I'm going to go uh, back in order again. So I'm going to let you sort of tackle that first component of it, and then I'm going to get the other guys to uh, to pitch in on some of the other uh, points that you bring out here in this discussion. So maybe you could le- sort of lead us off, and then we'll we'll go in uh, from there. So maybe yeah. get, explain a little uh, further what you're talking ab- about. Absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. As, as a mind coach, uh, you know, and and again, I work uh, in tandem with a lot of really great swing coaches. So so it's it's quickly becomes a team effort, which I enjoy. But a question that invariably comes up is, you know, what should I be thinking about during the swing? And and we hear of players that are very technical. We hear of players that are not as technical, whatever. What I know of the way the mind works is that when, when in effect, when the body receives the information it's looking for, it, it relaxes. It's very comfortable. That's when the rhythm and flow happen. That's when the good balance happens and things like that. And when it doesn't have enough information or it doesn't have the information that it's scanning for and trying to receive, that results in a lot of tension. So as a coach, truthfully, I don't really think there's a one-size-fits-all. I think a lot of it depends on personality. I think a lot of it depends on, on mood and temperament and things like that as to how technical we want to be. What I try as a coach is, is not so much then what's going through your mind, but how fluidly is it going through you. In other words, um, whatever you're thinking about, whether it's technique or whether it's not technique, you might just be a pure feel player or whatever, but to me keeping tension and resistance out of the body so that it can perform very freely is the key, but I get that question a lot. What should I be thinking about? And and this is where I think the the process of helping each player to discover the thought process that works for them, which is by and large also an emotional process, is really the key. Right. Um, great way to to start the segment. So J- uh, John D, I'm going to start with you. And the first point that that Tim puts in in this discussion is, you know, should I be thinking about my body and how it moves? as I'm hitting the ball. So am I thinking about body movements as an example, uh, as I'm, as I'm, uh, you know, working through the, the swing, uh, and, and getting ready to, uh, or as I'm hitting the ball, um, is that something that, um, would be no, uh, you know, what do you think in your mind? Um, is that something that, that they shouldn't be thinking about is body movements? Well, I find that people who think of, think of uh, their body in particular movements, they're going to tend to 
uh, have paralysis to analysis because their body's going to kind of freeze up. I I like to, um, again, going back, I, I'm a big believer, and this is, you know, the way I was trained at Grand Cypress, is I put everything to account. So it's going to be like a one, two count. So I'm, I, I'm amazed when I work with golf schools, and I we can talk about the positions, and the position I really work on the most is setup. And once I get a student set up where they're, you know, get them in the right position from that standpoint, getting them to go back into the ball in that one second. Now, obviously, if they're doing something in their swing that's way off, obviously, then I have to address that. Like they're opening the club face or coming way over the top. I mean, that, those are things that you have to address because um, as a teacher, uh, you can have great time, but if you're doing all those uh, things that are wrong, it's obviously going to produce a bad shot. So. So in those cases, I do get into, you know, we want to feel the club, maybe go, you know, and I'll have some training aids or whatever it is I'm working on. But I'm a big believer in, in, the, in the count and in, in using that account to, in my teaching. Um, once I understand, was, once I have the student, you know, narrowed in on what I want to work with them on, um, I put that to account. So I'll say, you know, and, and I'll do it as a group, and I'm amazed at how, uh, when I do the count with them, um, how how much better everyone does in a golf school or in a private lesson. And I always equate it to, um, can you imagine if you were going to take dance lessons and you were learning how to dance, but they never played any music? And you had to learn dancing by, with no music. There would be no rhythm to what you're doing. You would have no, you, you wouldn't know if you're supposed to dance fast or slow. And golf is a lot like that. There's times I'm trying to hit the ball 300 yards, but there's also times that I'm trying to get the ball to go three feet. And yet I'm, um, I'm still at the swing. I'm still swinging the club. And so I, I just have found that I try to take all the technical stuff. I, I leave the technical stuff to me as the teacher and to put it on the screen and show them on the video. But, but I tell people all the time, when you get over that ball, you can't be thinking about the mechanics. You've got to you've got to have a rhythm to what you're doing. You've got to have a time that you go back into the ball, and it has to be consistent from that standpoint. And that's what great players do. And the and the the proof is in the pudding. If you time them, if you look at them, they'll take the same time every every time when they're hitting their shot. So those are that's kind of the way I approach it, and um and that's the way I was taught, and that's the way I learned under Phil Rogers and Fred Griffin, and and um you know it's uh it's helped me uh, tremendously as a teacher. Well said. Um, John H., I'm going to ask you something a little bit differently on this. And, um, you know, another thing that a thought, if you will, that sort of pops into a lot of people's head is and that is, should I be focused instead on a part of the golf club? We often hear of this. Uh, I've heard this over the years. You know, you think about feel the weight of the club head as it's swinging through. Um, or maybe the swing itself. Uh, again, John sort of uh, Decker sort of touched a little bit about this, but um, about the swing itself. Should I be focused on uh, maybe a part of the club, maybe the, the handle, the grip of the club? Uh, you know, making sure I'm pulling that down into the slot, or, or what? What do you think's going on here, um, as far as that uh, is concerned? I'm sort of of the same school of John that you, you've got to clear your mind of a lot of the technical things. Uh, I would interpret what you said a, a little bit different way with a client and basically ask what and why are they trying to focus on a piece of the equipment, whether it's the handle, the face, the leading edge, the top line, the shaft, to have an understanding 
when they're practicing, when they're trying to make movement improvements as to what, what the hook is, for lack of a better way of saying it. What, what is it that they're trying to connect in a, in a kinematic feeling, a, a feeling back to them within their swing? And trying to hone that through various different ways of practicing to where they're, when they're on the golf course, they are trusting of the feeling, knowing that the feeling connects them back to what that club is doing. Uh, if you're thinking about a lot of things, you're going to get tense, you're going to get tight, it, it's, it's a recipe for disaster for most amateur golfers. For most professional golfers, same way. What you have to realize is we are hardwired to react, not necessarily to act. And that's why you see a lot of great athletes playing a lot of sports where something's constantly in movement. You don't have time to think. And with played one professionally in my past, what you're always trying to do is have an understanding of how you react under the pressure, whether it's a piece of equipment or you. So when you are in the moment, when you are needing to keep score, when you're needing to hit something close, you're not dependent upon fixation on you or something. Maybe the target, and some people are very target aware, some people are not. It's a personal choice. It's, it's how they think. But when it comes to thinking about a piece of equipment and how it should be working, how it should be moving, You've got to get that worked out before you go play. It's, it's a, not a good recipe for good scores if you're thinking too much about anything. Let's clear it up. Let's get more rhythmic. Let's get more tempo-driven, as John had said. Let's put these things to bed so you can be and be more reactive in your swing versus trying to manipulate action throughout the swing. Mm-hmm. Again, well said. Um, Clint, I'm going to come to you uh, for this one here, and it really sort of revolves around the swing mechanics. Um, you know, how much attention uh, to the mechanics of the swing uh, is the right amount, or is there? Is that? And, and again, keep in mind that we're talking about uh, again the the golf swing itself. Uh, you know, during the process. You know. Um, you know, John Decker talked a little bit about that sort of paralysis by analysis. We see a lot of players standing over the ball, and you can almost tell uh, that that's what they're doing, is they're thinking about the, you know, getting in the right position, doing this and doing that, uh, and they're standing over for what seems like a millennial uh, over the golf ball before they actually do anything. Um, so, you know, should we pay, be paying a lot of attention when we get out on the golf course? Forget about the practice tee, but when we get out on the golf course, should we even be thinking about mechanics at that point? Well, if you are, you're confused on what you're doing. Um, There's training days, and then there's play days. In any sport that we have, you have Mm -hmm. batting practice. That's not a game. They're working on their technical swing. You know, so you have to understand that there's training days and there's playing days, and you can't mix the two together. You're either practicing or you're playing. And where we see, and everybody's made reference to this, is that we see a lot of players every day that are on the golf course playing, but they're really still still training. Their mind is training. 
but their, their brain is not playing. It wants to play, but they're not allowing it to play because they, they, they get stuck in this, this training mode on the course. You can see them grind it. They'll actually freeze over it. You know, just a real quick story. My dad and grandfather trained bird dogs. And I always remember that my grandfather was a hunter. My dad was a trainer. And my grandfather always would say, Clinton, you got to let your dog hunt. And that's what we've got to do when we're playing golf. We've got to let our dog hunt. We've done all the training we can do. Then one of the things we talk about in the R3 is take what you got today and make it work. If it's not working the way you want it to, then you need to go back and train it some more. You know, so I think if the people that play this game can really come to making a split away from training to playing, we would see that feel come into their into their game. They, they get a more of a, you know, what I always try to get people to understand is a flex and reflex. You feel your body flex back and it reflexes the other way. And that's playing. That's feel. Training is feel, but it's also technical. So I, I really try to encourage my students, okay, if you want to, you want to go out on the course and train today, don't keep score. That's okay. But if you're trying to see how much better you've gotten, you need to play golf today and get to the 18th green. And if it wasn't what you wanted, go to the practice tee either that day or the next day and train some more. But you'll never find out how good your training is until you let it go. And when you begin to feel the golf swing, stay relaxed, keep your breathing right, you know, you start feeling your golf swing, you'll really find out whether the amount of time and effort you put into training is paying off. So mm-hmm. I just, like I said, I just try to encourage people to understand that there's a difference between training and playing, and you can't mix the two. And when they do that, you see a much better, much more relaxed player on the golf course. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point to make because, uh, again, I see this so many times. That's why I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the ladies uh, early on, just some of the things that I noticed. And, you know, obviously in their practice sessions and things, you know, they're, you know, focusing a little bit more on mechanics and so forth. And that's understandable. They're trying to make sure everything's, uh, you know, gelling that particular day. Uh, but you're right, whatever they have got going on on that particular day. That's what they're taking out to the golf course. Tim, I, I'm going to wrap up two questions for you, um, and, and that is, uh, you know, would I be better served uh, focusing on the target instead of the body or swing? And then, or maybe should I just not be thinking about anything at all? What, what are your thoughts here? Maybe you can uh, steer us in the right direction. Yeah, great question. First of all, it's not possible to not think about anything at all. The brain is always going for something. And, you know, I, I hear it on I hear it on television sometimes or whatever, and they'll ask a pro, what were you thinking? And they'll just say, well, wasn't thinking about anything at all. That's not possible. Um, think about it this way. In the moment that we take the club away from the ball, we may not be aware of the thought, but there is a thought that goes on that says, that, you know, okay, let's take the club away, but that is a thought. Uh, at the moment we get to the top of the backswing or whatever it may be, the brain is still, we are, we are thinking, okay, that's enough. So there is a thought there. So this whole idea of, of don't think about anything at all to me is, is not possible. 
Um, so it kind of wants to question, then what should we be thinking about? Now, one of the things Clint said that I loved is that, you know, are we out there playing swing or are we out there playing golf? Because they're two very different games. And, in mm-hmm. fact, one of the one of the we talked about this, uh, you know, maybe a couple months ago, Ted, but you remember we had a conversation on video. And, and one of the things, yep. and I love video, by the way, I, I, I truly love video, but one of the things we've gotten into is, is looking at video to the point where all we're doing and, and having coached a fair amount of junior golf, um, the thing that we do and they love to do is I just need to see that. I just need to see a picture. I just need to see a picture. And, and, and while all of that's great, in my opinion, sometimes it gets them too fixated on swing and not enough on playing the game. So, so you know, it kind of begs the question, do I need to be focused more on target? Well, then I get into brain modalities, and basically, are they a feel player or are they a visual player? Now, a visual player is going to have a, a much easier time of imagining the target than is a feel player. Feel player, his 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 modalities are such that he or she is going to want to go back to the body or to the swing or to something that is moved. They pay obviously pay more attention to movement. So I think as coaches, we need to understand their learning style and really try to cater to that. So this whole idea of everybody should be able to visualize to me just doesn't work out that way. We have, we have, Mm -hmm. we have uh, players that are more visual. They do very well imagining target. They focus more on the target. They, uh, as opposed to a field player is going to feel more of what's going on, moving through the body. Um, And and I, I guess, again, I come back to, there's no right or wrong. There's just what works, but, you know, help a student to develop what works best for them um, to me, a thought that lacks a lot of tension and allows the body to flow freely is going to produce better results than when we're second-guessing and questioning ourselves as if I'm thinking about the right thing. Yeah, and I, and I think just to, to sort of wrap it up a little bit is, you know, I, I think, you know, Clint mentioned about, you know, a, a play day and, and a practice day, um, you know, a lot of players have difficulty differentiating. Um, you know, it's okay to be having these different thoughts in a practice session. You know, let's focus on mechanics. Let's focus on, on you know, developing our tempo and rhythm and so forth. Um, but when we step out in the golf course, when, when it's a payday or a play day, excuse me, um, you know, we, we obviously leading up to before we swing the club, you know, we want to analyze, we want to assess the situation, we want to know what our target is. Uh, so obviously we're engaging that part of the brain to do that assessment in order to understand where we want to put the, where we want to put the ball in position. Uh, but then once we get to the swing, as you said, there's certain things obviously subconsciously and, and maybe uh, to some level consciously that we are going to be thinking about. But I think to sort of ball it all up and, and be thinking about, you know, am I getting the club in the right place or, you know, am, is it the swing feeling correctly while we're actually on a, in, a, in playing an event or playing during, um, you know, with our, our buddies and our foursome, um, you know, is where you're going to get. And this is where people sometimes, you know, feel uh, confused. Um, they don't know what to think or they think that they need to think about certain things. And then there's others that, you know, overthink the process. So I think it's definitely an interesting topic, and I think I'm excited to see what the end result is going to be with your article, Tim, and 
uh, you know, in the next upcoming issue. But I think it's something that really a lot of players need to understand. And this is where having a, a conversation with your coach, not just uh, you know your swing coach, but if they're working with someone like you, Tim, uh, that's a mental coach, those conversations need to, to be happening uh, when they're in a, in a, in a full-blown practice session. Let's have those conversations there. But when you actually step out in the golf course and you're playing around or playing, uh, even if it's just for fun with your buddies, um, you know, you don't get, have to get so deep in thought about all the different components that we're talking about here because that's just going to mess you up and it's just going to make it for a very uh, difficult uh, uh, day and, and you're just not going to have fun, right? And can I, can I just and, – and then I will be quiet, I promise. But what's yep, a no, swing key fine. then? Because to me, to me, a swing key is an attention to something physical or mechanical or technical. And I don't know of many players, even on the tours, who aren't playing out there playing and competing with some sort of a swing key that they believe will sync up, you know, their bodies or the club face or whatever with the target. Yeah, and and, and you're exactly right. I mean, I can remember a lot of players talking about, um, you know, over the years on the Golf Channel where they might – do a slight forward press with their hands uh, to initiate their backswing. Others might, uh, you know, do uh, their, you know, for um, right-handed golfers, their their back leg, their right knee, they might, you know, point that in slightly, again, to initiate. So there is a swing key uh, that maybe some of them develop. Um, but again, as John Decker pointed out earlier on, I mean, the the swing itself is such a quick pace. I mean, it's literally a second, maybe slightly longer for some. Um, you don't really have a lot of time to, to be thinking about a lot of things. And again, as I pointed out earlier, if you're standing over the ball, getting ready to, to execute a shot, and you're thinking about all of these different things, um, you're just going to mess yourself up. And it's just going to get to a point where you're actually going to uh, paralyze yourself. And we've seen this. We've all seen this where we'll see a player out there and they're just standing over the ball, and you, you know, their eyes are glazing over or glossing over because they're thinking so much about everything they want to do. We've all seen it. Um, you know, maybe even earlier on in our careers, maybe we fall into that trap occasionally too. But I don't know. I, I, I'm only speaking for myself. Um, interesting discussion, though, Tim, and I want to thank you for bringing that to tonight. And and uh, we're going to set that aside and, and let uh, you. Uh, work your magic in the article. And as I said, I'm looking forward to that. We've got a few more minutes left, guys. And, and I think what I'd like to do with, with the last uh, few moments is uh, go through the, the order again with, with the two Johns and, and Tim and, and Clint and, and just reflect back on 2021, um, you know, a season for you guys. What really stood out for you, if there was anything that stood out for you this year, um, whether it be in your own uh, programs that you're working with, or maybe just something in the golf industry that really stood out to you and and uh, that you just want to sort of bring to light here uh, on, on the uh, discussion. So, uh, John Decker, I'm going to go with you first, and then John Hughes and Tim, and then finish up with Clint. Well, Ted, it's a great question. I mean, looking back on, on this past year, for me, the thing that really stands out is golf is back. I mean, I just think that golf is back right now, and, and it's uh, – and the key for, for all of the members of the PGA of America and all the people who are in the golf business and the, and the manufacturers and the golf courses and, and everyone who has, uh, their, you know, may, has their little piece of the pie and who is part of this great game that we all love is we have to retain these people. We have to, 
golf is the most difficult sport that you can um, that that I've ever played. And and unfortunately, I, what I want, what I'm hoping is, is that all these people who are coming to the game is that we as teachers and uh, we can make them make the game a little easier, make it more enjoyable, make it. Um, you know, I try to tell people all the time, this is your vacation time or this is your day off. You know, Saturday's your day off. Don't beat yourself up. Go out and have fun. Play the game. You know, I, I don't want all my students always taking lessons. I want them to go out and play the game. So I, to me, that's what really stands out is how popular the game is. For me personally, I had my best year uh, ever teaching, and I just took on a new job. And when I took on the job, I kind of set goals of what I, you know, was looking for. Uh, you know, financially, because this is my job, and I and and I was they were kind of modest because you never know when you go to a new club how it's going to be, and I was blown away at the amount of lessons um, I I was able to give this year, and I know the other instructors probably can echo those thoughts. So to me, the game is back, and I'm, I'm excited. And the other thing I'll say is I'm excited to see uh, what Tiger's going to do. You know, Tiger having that the car wreck and everything. Um, I never honestly thought I mean if I thought if he was going to come back it might be years from now and the fact that he's going to be playing golf this weekend um if it's just you know with the sun and everything I, I think it's amazing and and so I'm really interested to see um you know that because we all know that he moves the needle and uh when he's if golf is really at its peak like it is right now and he's back on tour and if he could just play in a tournament I I can't wait to see where it's going to go from there so to me those are the things that I take most out of 2021. I think we lost him, John. Clint, is it just me and you? Yeah, no, it's just I'm, me I'm and still, you, John. Still, no, no, it's, it's, it's I think we, and we lost him. Yeah. Ted said he, he <laughs> might have had some technical issues. Yeah. He'll call yeah. back yeah. in. I'll, I'll take it Let's, from here. Uh, yeah. So, John, why don't, why don't you go next, John? Right. 2021, uh, it, I agree with you, John. It, golf, I don't think golf was ever gone. I think golf has reemerged as a pastime, as an activity, as a sport that has been able to engage with the masses versus the elite. And it's given people an opportunity to not only to test their skills and wills, but it's given them an opportunity to socialize. It's given them an opportunity to meet new people. It's given them an opportunity to just go out and have some fun, do something different. From a, a game standpoint of view, some highlights of the old saying, you can't, talk, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Phil Mickelson, thank you very much for dispelling that. Where there's a will, there's a way. And that, I think, is probably the PGA Tour highlight of the year. There were tons of them. But when you really look at it, when you've got a 51-year-old golfer who's been there, done that several times, and then plays arguably one of the toughest golf courses in the world, I've played that course hundreds of times, it's difficult. And for him to do what he did out there, absolutely amazing. And, and you saw that transcend throughout the majors, throughout the Olympics. I think the Olympics this year really grew the game globally more so than, I, than we realize at the moment. I think we'll see a surge in four to eight years from just this year's Olympics. 
the coverage, the play, the quality of play, how people interacted with each other during that time. I, I think we've yet to see the results of what's going to come from that. And from a personal standpoint of view, as John said, yeah, it's been a great year for John Hughes Golf. But I think it's been a great year for the clients that I've engaged with. Uh, I've seen tremendous strides of people not only technically and physically improving, but just from a personal standpoint of view, allowing golf to help them grow as people, as individuals, as young men and women, as adults. Uh, it's It's been a strong, outstanding year that's, that's running a really strong tide. And if rounds went down and if everything else went down, these things will always stay up. And it's the underpinning of keeping it up. And, and we have to continue to find ways to keep people engaged going forward. This is our second chance at the Tiger uh, push of rounds. And we would be absolute fools to sit idle and just rest on our laurels if we're not doing something proactively to keep the sport front and center as an activity that everybody can do. Well said, uh, Mr. Hughes. And my apologies to the listeners and to you guys. Uh, as I anticipated, there it never fails. Once in a while, you get a little technical difficulty, and I got bounced off my own show. So, uh, Tim, if you want to go ahead uh, with your with your, hey, hey, we won't make any comments about that. We, yeah, we I know. I can about you behind your back. Uh, by the way, oh, so. don't worry. I'll, yeah, I'll listen. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll listen to it later on. Trust me. Uh, Tim, fair, go ahead. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I got to say too. I got I got to agree with the guys, and and I really do see a resurgence in the sport, but. But what you said, too, uh, before, Ted, about observing the women at the finals of Q School, to me is I'm seeing this more and more, too, where there is there's certainly a sense of professionalism now that, that and I, I don't want to say, well, I guess I'll say a kinder, gentler, more um, uh, environment out there. It's almost like we're seeing, we're seeing competitors root for each other. We're seeing them be kind toward each other. And I really find that encouraging that they're just, they're, there's, there's, I think in the sport now more class acts at a higher level than there's ever been. And yeah, media loves to focus on all the little squabbles and, you know, and the pissing contests and whatever, and those will never go away. But in general, what I'm seeing are just, more and more and more really wonderful people achieving the top levels. The other thing that I would say is that the talent pool is just going deeper and deeper and deeper with the numbers. We're, we're seeing, you know, and it's true of every sport. Every sport evolves, and, and world records are broken every year in the Olympics, right? And, and we're seeing that in golf, and we're seeing the numbers just, you know, continue to to slowly, you know, uh, go down and uh, what it's taking to play at a high level. So I think that's all very exciting uh, for the sport and for the people who are accomplishing it. And, and uh, um, I just see the upside, too, that, you know, it's like we had that little lull in the action maybe, but uh, things are, are definitely coming back in a, in a very strong but also kind way. And, and I love to see that. I just think you know the the history of of golf was always it was a, it was a you know gentle person sport and we're really starting to see that rather than the than the bad mouthing and the and the uh, you know the, the the handshakes are genuine and and it's just yeah. uh, it's nice to see so 
Yeah. Yep. Well said. I couldn't agree more. And Clint, finally, uh, your thoughts as okay. you reflect back on 2021. Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, I appreciate being on with you guys all year. Well, I've I've uh, I've had a great time. Um, enjoyed talking with you and and uh, hearing what you've had to say. It's been wonderful. And as far as the golf business is concerned, if you recognize the fact that none of us are in the same locations, but we're mm-hmm. all seeing increase in business. That's you know, golf's grown regionally sometimes, but this is nationwide without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, being near college town and being at a golf course that has a lot of that type play, we've got the soccer kids, kids coming back to golf. The -hmm. soccer moms that we lost back in my day, now their kids are coming back to golf. If you go to the golf course around here, we're near Clemson. In the mornings, us old guys play, but about a 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the younger people show up. The golf course changes. And mm-hmm. that group of people, we lost their parents, but we have them now. And when they get out, another, and I think this is why the golf is going to continue to grow, they're going to bring their kids to the golf course like my parents brought me. Okay, They're now golfers, and they're going to continue to be, and they'll bring their children back. And I think in – and probably within the next 10 years, junior camps are going to explode because those kids are going to bring their children to the golf course. And that's a mm-hmm. wonderful thing. And and it's going to continue that way. There's no question about it. Um, and on a personal note, this year I made Medicare and Social Security, and I'm sure glad y'all are giving <laughs> a lot more lessons because I don't want to have to do it anymore. <laughs> I never thought I would get there. But I did, and I, I can tell you, I hope y'all make it. I really do. But guys, again, just as a, I hope you have a great holidays and a great new year, and I look forward to the end of February, March. Well, I can. I think I can speak. Well, I, I don't want to speak for the others, but I'm happy to help you, Clint, with uh, with some injection of cash uh, into that system. To allow you to collect y'all, your, y'all, your social security. Y'all keep security. making that money and paying that social security, okay? <laughs> I agree. Well, let me let me just add some some final thoughts uh, as well as I I look back um, and, and reflect 2021. Um, you know, I, I enjoy obviously as as you know, uh, guys doing this program. Uh, actually, I enjoy obviously both programs. Uh, because it, it adds a different perspective. Uh, doing the women's shows on Tuesday mornings with Cindy, I uh, really enjoy that. We have some great young ladies coming up off the Symmetra Tour that, uh, as they win each week, uh, come and, and share in, in the excitement with us. Um, and, um, you know, also some of the other people in the industry, both men and women that come on the show. Uh, and I really enjoy our panel discussions. I try to, you know, uh, keep them fresh and lively. And sometimes, uh, you know, I know we cover... Uh, a lot of things that we've covered before, but I try to hopefully put a little bit of a different spin or a twist to them. And uh, But I really enjoy this. And just on a, on a side note uh, about the show, and some of you may know, maybe you've heard me talk about this before, um, but next year we're going to be reaching uh, what I consider to be a uh, substantial milestone. Golf Talk Live is going to be in its 10th season on air. Um, it's hard to believe that I've been talking for for almost 10 years and uh, you guys are probably not surprised but I am 
Um, and uh, I, I just, you know, I still have, believe it or not, I still have lots to say. I know you guys have lots to say. Uh, so I'm really, really excited about that. And Women of Golf, I started a year later. So uh, Sydney and I are going to be going into season nine on that show. So uh, literally hundreds of shows each that we've done. Uh, I've had a lot of great guests. I really enjoy the Coach's Corner panel, and obviously I enjoy my interview guests as well, but I really enjoy the panel discussions. You guys have really made a lot of fun, and uh, it's hard to believe that 10 years have gone by. Um, it, it seems like it was just yesterday we started this thing out, uh, and I, I really want to thank the audience and the listeners for tuning in. I've had some great feedback, and since taking uh, on the challenge of uh, Golf Tips Magazine, I've here recently, particularly, I've had a number of subscribers uh, who have also uh, been tuning into the podcast as well, uh, express their uh, gratitude and, and, and having these discussions and things like that, anything that we can do to help. Um, so I, I really, really enjoy and I appreciate you guys more than you realize um, doing that. So when I look back on 2021, um, you know, as far as the golf industry is concerned as a general whole, um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, ups and downs over the last 18 months with this pandemic and a lot of uncertainties. Uh, we won't get into the political stuff, but uh, you know a lot of difficulty as to what's going to happen and, and so on moving forward. Um, and, and one of the positives that have come out of really a, a very difficult situation is the fact that there has been a, a substantial uptick in the game. And I think what's really stands out for me is is it's not only just the new people coming to the game that have never played this game before that were introduced, uh, you know, because of um, just the, the pandemic and that, but there's been a lot of people who had actually, I won't say retired from the game, but maybe let it go a little bit and, and just because of the circumstances decided to give it one more try. And, and I've heard from a lot of our senior golfers who really, uh, are having a, a lot of fun out there. And that goes to, you know, a point, uh, John Hughes, that you say all the time, and that is we want our golfers to have fun. Yes, there's times to be technical. There's times to uh, work through the process. Um, but most importantly, we want them to go out there and have a good time and, and have fun. And if they're not doing that, then obviously they're not going to enjoy it. So moving forward um, in 2022, um, let's make it fun for them. Let's give them the, the information that they need to, to become better players um, but let's make sure that they're out there having a good time and enjoying it um, along the way as well, because that's going to—that's really what's going to keep this uptick, if you will, uh, strong and steady uh, over the years to come. But guys, I want to thank you, uh, each and every one of you. Have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday season. Greetings, uh, Feliz Navidad, all of that good stuff. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for uh, for for tuning in and joining me on this. Uh, final season finale of uh, golf talk live here on coach's corner um thanks guys um very quickly if you want to let the folks know before we close out uh going in order again john djh and so on and so forth how can the folks reach out to you um if they want to through the holidays or uh going into the new season what's the best way they can get in touch well, once again ted thank you for having us on and guys i enjoyed um i enjoyed being on with you tonight I've got the new um, a new website coming out next year. It's going to be called DeckerGolf.com. I'm also writing uh, with Golf Tips Magazine, doing articles, videos, and I have a feature uh, called Fairways to Heaven that's on in each issue. If you want to find me on uh, social media, you go to John Decker Golf Instruction. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. 
In my book, Golf Is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is sold at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and Walmart.com. And I do have a Bible study with that as well. And uh, I'm available for speaking engagements. And one thing I did mention on a personal note, um, in 2021, I did get engaged. So I'm really excited about that. I mm-hmm. should have mentioned that looking back. And to all the listeners out there, Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year. Congratulations, John, on on uh, on uh, your engagement. I know that uh, you're going to be very, very happy. And um, I, I wanted to let you say that. I didn't want to spoil it and do it on air myself. But uh, John Hughes, you go ahead. Sure. Tim, Clint, John, always a pleasure. Ted, I cannot thank you enough for the opportunity, and I stress that word, opportunity, that you provide all of us as coaches, that you provide all your guests, but more importantly, you provide the entire golfing world. I will forever be in your gratitude with that, and I will forever remind you why you should not have bought golf tips, but was glad I was there when you did, and I'm glad you've allowed me to stay with it. For those of you who don't know how to get a hold of me, it's real simple. John Hughes Golf. Put an ampersand in front, put a dot com in the back, put a, a hashtag, whatever it is. That's the easiest way to find me. And I wish each and everybody, every golfer, non-golfer out there, happy holidays, enjoy yourself, have fun. Thank you, John. Uh, Tim? Yeah, best way to reach me is at peakperformancemindcoaching.com. Guys, I have tremendously enjoyed it. As as a mind coach, it's always wonderful for me to be around – uh, swing coaches, and, and not that you're just swing coaches. I, I understand that. But but I learned so much uh, uh, from being around uh, guys like you who are really among what I know is, you know, the best in the business. So I appreciate that. Ted, as always, we've had some chuckles over the years and, <laughs> and certainly some interesting conversations. I'm sure that's not going to end anytime soon. But uh, uh, I'm excited we're starting. We will have hopefully out uh, shortly after the beginning of the year, a month, month or so from now. It's, a, uh, it's an online course called Mind Game Now, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, that started actually back uh, during the uh, – during the COVID days and uh, when, I, when I was not able to go to uh, any of the private clubs and do my clinics, my mind coaching clinics and things like that. So I got online and we started carving this program out and it will be coming out. It's a 10, 10 lesson program and uh, very, very, very excited about that. But uh, anyways, yeah, um, just uh, reach out to me through the website and, and like John, I do, uh, I do public speaking too and travel the country doing clinics at uh, at um, some some of the uh, the nicer courses, and so uh, uh, happy to help out however I can. And again, Ted, thank you very much. As uh, as always, thank you, Tim. Uh, and Clint, I'm going to let you have the last or second last word because I'm going to have the last word. But uh, best way they well, can I reach knew out that was any... going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go. Yeah. Go ahead. Thanks, Ted. Again, guys, it's been a pleasure for, I don't know, Ted, I think eight years now maybe it's been a pleasure with every event that we've done and every show we've done. I've I've had a great time. Um, and I, I think the thing about this show, we do have some chuckles along the way. And I think if people recognize that, that there is that fun aspect, have a chuckle about it. When you hit a bad shot, Chuck, you know, hey, it just yep. went bad that day. Just have some fun. And, you know, guys can get a hold of me at clintgolf001 at yahoo.com. It's that, that simple. I'll be more than happy to respond back any way I can. 
But again, guys, have a great holidays and be safe if you're traveling. And um, we look forward to next year, Ted. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great evening. Uh, God bless to each and every one of you. Have a safe and happy holiday, and I'll see you guys back uh, next year here on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, have a great uh, holiday season with your loved ones. Take care, guys. Very good. Thank Thanks you. Bye-bye. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right. That was uh, our season finale, uh, Coach's Corner, a special edition, if you will, uh, for 2021. We'll be uh, coming back, as I mentioned, on February 10th. Will be uh, Golf Talk Live. We'll will restart or reboot, if you will, in the new year. It'll be our season ten. Hard to believe. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, it'll be just uh, strictly um, uh, an hour show for the first uh, few shows in February, and then uh, the first Thursday in March we will kick back into our full two-hour broadcast with Coach's Corner leading uh, the pace, and then followed by uh, some insightful interviews with my guests. And I'm already uh, lining them up right now as we speak, um, but. Everybody, thank you very much for all of your support over the years. Uh, uh, Again, I can't emphasize enough how much we appreciate, uh, we enjoy doing these shows. We hope you learn from something. And if you want to reach out to me over the holidays and maybe you've got some ideas, some topics that you'd like for us to cover next season, uh, you can reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. That's ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. I want to also thank you, uh, for uh, all of the uh, supporters and sponsors of the show. Uh, and uh, thank you for all of your continued support as well. I will see you next year. God bless everybody, and thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Ted would like to thank this evening's special guest for joining him on the show. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. You can also listen to Golf Talk Live on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. Be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, send an email to ted at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.